small beach properties, how you can build an entire business around it. And that's exactly what Stacy St. John has done. We're going to talk to her right now on the Fearless Investor Podcast. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain. You have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and we're talking today with one of my favorite people in the short-term rentals industry, Stacy St. John. She's built a beautiful nest egg of short-term rentals and vacation rentals in beach towns uh, with, that are really small. We're talking one in bed, two bedroom places. And she has a really specific reason of why she's chosen this. And I think by the end of this podcast and this conversation with Stacy, you're going to be like, yeah, that actually sounds pretty cool. I went live in Airbnb Masterminds when I did this interview. So uh, if you haven't already joined that Facebook page, you're missing out because we have over 100,000 members with tons of value being exchanged amongst members. So make sure you go check it out, Airbnb Masterminds. And that's where we originally did this interview. But Stacy has got some amazing value to bring. So let me just go ahead and stop talking and go straight to the interview with Stacy St. John. Hey, what's up, everyone? Uh, Kyle Stanley here in the Airbnb Masterminds group. And we are talking today with Stacy St. John, who has got to be one of my favorite people in this <laughs> industry. Um, and I just want to set the stage. So for those of you that are watching this live, you know, we're going to record it. We're going to throw it onto the podcast and YouTube channel as well. So you might be like watching on YouTube and being like, am I watching live? No, if you're watching on YouTube, like a week from now, you're not watching live. But for those of you that are in the Facebook group right now, tuned in, we are talking about how to build an Airbnb business with small, this is really unique, small beach properties. Um, I've never talked to anyone about this before, so I'm I'm ready to learn myself, Stacy. But I would like to know from the group if you have a small beach property. If you do, let us know like which town you're in and how it's going, and does it kill, or do you have like you know super high and super low seasons? I want to know everything. And then number two, um, do you want to learn today about how to build this small beach property business? And if so. Um, I want a beach emoji. All right. Throw like a palm tree in there or throw like a beach ball or something like that. Let's have some fun with this. So either way. Though. Yeah. Either way. Hey, welcome, Stacy. Thank you so much, Kyle. I'm excited to be here with you. And I love talking about the beach. So um, thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I, I love talking and being at the beach. It's even better if you're talking about the beach while being at the beach, which uh, you and I, that was the first time you and I had met. You were getting ready to go to Cancun. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's that's not a bad place to to be doing the beach. Not too shabby. Yeah. So okay, Stacy, starting it off, let's talk about what is your craziest Airbnb guest story in the years that you've been doing this. You know, I'm gonna say the craziest guest story may not be that crazy, but it was just about a guest who decided to go number two on one of our beds. Oh gosh. Wasn't. Wasn't that kind of them? So kind. That's <laughs> gross. 
Good. The same guest also broke the bed. Now, I don't know if they broke the bed while they were going number two on the bed. I didn't ask any questions, uh, but that is my craziest story. Oh my gosh. Uh, that actually reminds me. So, no, well, I shouldn't start a, a, a reaction off that way, right? <laughs> but you said leaving a surprise on the bed. Um, you want to hear something crazy. We had uh, over Christmas, right between Christmas and New Year's, we had our cleaners and we have this awesome uh, chat for our cleaners on WhatsApp. And the ladies go to town just messaging back and forth with each other all day long. So typically, I'm not really like paying attention to that chat. A couple of days later, we were doing our team meeting and my manager says something about a bomb. And I was like, wait, what? And she was like, yeah, you saw that in the group chat. I was like, no, I did not. And she pointed me to it and legit, like, I don't know if this was like some Ted Kaczynski kind of person or what, but our cleaner walked in and right on the bed was this like aluminum foil box with like wires popping out of it. And so she immediately called the cops and was like, I'm not going in that house. I'm like, yes, you did the right thing. Um, wow. Cops removed it. Who knows if it was real or not? I think there was a lot of jokers during during the holidays this year. We had one guy who like literally put a blow up dummy in a in a garbage bag and like tied it with duct tape, trying to make it th the cleaner <laughs> thing. There was a dead body in the backyard. I don't, maybe it was the same guest too. Who knows? They, they might have just been going around just pranking people. Either wow. way. Either way, crazy, crazy guests. You gotta love them. Um, Sandra just jumped in here. She says, Lumi Island in Washington, long-term rental right now, considering doing short-term. Go for it, Sandra. I, I yeah. idea. Heck yeah. So Stacy, let's talk your journey in Airbnb. What has brought you to where you're at today and why did you get into Airbnb and what were you doing before Airbnb? Yeah, so... Gosh, I started off investing in real estate in long-term rentals, but I kind of got into it by accident. So I had purchased a condo for my son to live in, in Orlando, Florida. He was moving down there to go to college. And it just so happened that the university he was attending did not have any on-campus housing. So my husband and I decided instead of throwing money away in rent in an apartment, we were going to just buy a condo in Orlando. And then heck, we could go down and visit and have a place to retire and all that kind of fun nice. stuff. Nice. So we, uh, we did that. We bought a condo. And a couple weeks after that, our son came to us and said, Hey, by the way, I don't think I'm ready to move to Florida. <laughs> and so um, we were a little surprised. And we said, probably if you choice words, but um, we uh, very quickly just put a strategy together and thought, well, let's go ahead and get a property manager and let's rent this out as a long-term rental. That particular uh, location was inside of a, a gated golf community, so they did not allow short-term rentals. Mm. And uh, we actually discovered after a few months, like, hey, we're we're making money at this, even as a long-term rental, let's go ahead and start buying more properties. Cause we've never really explored real estate investing before. Okay. So uh, we started buying properties here in Ohio, which is where I live. Um, I got my real estate license um, to help support our investing. We were buying, you know, 
little small um, houses in C-class neighborhoods, um, providing affordable housing for, for people to live in. And we were also doing some flipping as well. And we um, were actually finishing up a flip when COVID hit. And as we all know, COVID came with a lot of eviction moratoriums. And we were originally going to take that money from the flip and buy another long-term rental. And we kind of looked at each other and said, well, why are we going to buy another long-term rental right now? Because if our tenant doesn't pay, we have no recourse, yeah, right? Absolutely. So maybe now is the time to look at short-term rentals. So that's how we got into short-term rentals to begin with. And, um, I tell you what, it, I've never looked back because I've discovered that I freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs> Good. And yeah. so, so that was 2020, you're saying what, what month? Uh, well, it was 2020 in February when we sold that flip, but I spent about six months learning, studying, um, identifying the right business model for us. And so we actually didn't purchase our first short-term rental until the summer, until August of 2020. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so really quick, Nicole Jacobs says, closing next week on our first short-term rental. It's a one-bedroom condo 100 feet away from a beautiful beach in North Carolina. So Nicole, you're gonna learn. You're gonna to learn today from Stacy on how to how to manage that thing and how to get the most out of it. So, you said you were studying for six months on the best uh, strategy. What made you land on Airbnb? Yeah, sorry, my Chihuahua is super excited about this conversation as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> anybody who's ever watched me in my Facebook group knows my Chihuahua is like loud and annoying and barks at the most inopportune time. So apologies. Um, so we really uh, spent some time, again, kind of identifying what was right for us. Um, it was kind of a pipe dream to be at the beach, right? We knew we wanted to have a short-term rental, but we really started sitting down and thinking about, okay, what is our long-term vision for this? What do we want our lives to look like in five years? Okay, well then let's backtrack. What does three years look like? What does one year look like? And then creating kind of micro goals inside that one year vision. But first we had to get clear on if we're gonna invest at the beach, what type of criteria do we want for that purchase? And, um, you know, we looked at a variety of different markets. We had a specific budget we wanted to be within. We actually decided that we wanted to be in a condo instead of a single family home for us because we're far away. You know, it's not like we can run around the corner and check out the property if there's a hurricane, for example. So, we, you know, we really outlined our buying criteria and from there, selected a market based on the type of property that we wanted to have within our portfolio. And um, we landed on Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So that's where all of my beach properties are. And, you know, again, we went through kind of a process to identify the market. And we were looking at a, 
a few different places, but Dustin was a top contender. Like, oh yeah, who doesn't love Dustin, right? It's beautiful. But I had a really small budget that I wanted to work with for my first short-term rental. And it just so happened that I could be in a condo that looked over a pond in Dustin, or I could be on a con in a condo that looked over the ocean in Myrtle Beach. So I chose Myrtle Beach. Okay. So <laughs> that's really cool to hear that, that you were really doing some deep research on a lot of these. Was most of the reason of landing on Myrtle Beach because of where you wanted them from a lifestyle standpoint or where you wanted them from a cash flow and business standpoint? Um, a little bit of both, quite honestly. So I'm all about building a business that you love and integrating it with a life that you love. And so we really uh, knew the Myrtle Beach market very well as far as being a vacationer there. So we are very familiar with it. We personally wanted to be within a day's drive. Um, so we didn't look at places like South Florida, even though we love Fort Lauderdale um, and that, you know, that area. So we wanted to be within a day's drive. We wanted to um, spend less than $100,000. That was our budget for our first purchase. And um, again, when we landed on Myrtle Beach, it kind of checked the boxes of, okay, this fits within our buying criteria as far as an investment standpoint, but oh darn, if we have to take tax-free trips to the beach to check up on our properties, it wouldn't be so bad. Shoot, that sounds, that sounds rough. <laughs> it's a tough job, but somebody has to do it. So I love this because what's the one thing that we hear all the time when someone's green to the industry and wants to start an Airbnb? I want to own Airbnbs all over the country, all over the world, and be able to go and travel there wherever I want, uh, whenever I want. You picked one place, it sounds mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you like having one place or do you, do you have the pipe dream as well of doing it all over the world and, and yeah. all these different places? It's funny that you ask that because I think as far as an investment standpoint, it's always good to mitigate risks, right? So when you have all your eggs in one basket, that's never a great thing. So we've chosen um, within the Myrtle Beach market, we're actually in a little pocket, in a little neighborhood, um, if you will. And we're in a couple of different resorts there. We would like to expand our footprint within the Myrtle Beach market um, because we feel like it's the best return on effort. We spent a tremendous amount of time building a team, building a network of contractors, um, establishing relationships with the locals. And we love that. And we want to maximize the value of that, right? And so I think before we, you know, go to Florida or go to another beach market, we will continue to invest uh, heavily in Myrtle Beach. Now I will say, you know, I have visited some other locations. I love the Smoky Mountains. Um, would it be horrible to have a property in the Caribbean? I think I could handle it, but for now we'll stick with Myrtle Beach. <laughs> 
Well, and what I like there, you talked about relationships, you've built those relationships. And so it makes sense to build there. It's kind of milking the cow that you already have rather than trying to herd new cattle. Uh, it's a lot easier to do that. But there is a lot of truth in mitigating your risk. I guess the biggest thing that from your experience that you mentioned the relationships, that's hard to build those relationships in a lot of different markets. Yeah. I think I, I'm a big believer. Tell me how you think about this. I'm a big believer that you build it, you automate it. If it's scaling relatively on its own, then you can start looking at other places. Um, but when do you know that it's the next step for you to go maybe look in the Caribbean or look somewhere else for yourself? <laughs> Gosh, that's a good question. So I think that for us, we would look at, do we, uh, to your point, is it scaling? Is it operating like a well-oiled machine? Are we able to step away from the business and be able to focus our energy and attention on creating that and recreating that in another market and being successful? So I'd really want to analyze the the level of effort needed to build up that second, third, fourth, fifth market before we actually execute. And I think that maybe is a little bit different because it's really easy um, as an investor and in this industry to look at different locations and go, oh my gosh, I want to be there. I want to be there. And I do that too. Uh, but again, my time is really precious to me. Um, and I want to focus my time and my energy on where, again, I feel like I'm going to get the greatest return. Yeah. So, you know, we'll, we'll continue to look at that. I think that if we were to go to another beach market, we would probably go to another beach market in South Carolina first. Cool. Because again, you can um, continue to leverage relationships actually just got my property management uh, license in the state of South Carolina. So again, you know, I've got some roots established there and probably would look at, you know, the Hilton Head Market or Kiowa Island, Seabrook Island near Charleston. I'm throwing that out there. I haven't talked with my husband about that yet. So um, <laughs> keep that between us for now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I like it. I like it. So we've talked, we've talked a lot about uh, looking at different markets, but I think the key thing here is the word small beach properties. Why, why small ones? Why not the, you know, three, four or five bedroom house on the beach? Uh, why just the small units? Yeah. Well, you know, it was really born out of necessity. Again, we had established for our first property that we wanted to spend a hundred thousand bucks. We weren't sure what we could buy, um, but, you know, we also had it in our mind that we wanted to have a two bedroom condo on the ocean. Okay. So when I was looking at that, I very quickly began to realize that, well, heck, number one, I can't buy a two bedroom for under hundred K. Right. But when I got to the point that I could, the better return on investment was with the smaller properties. Now, again, we might have greater revenue with a two or three or four or five bedroom property, but you also have greater expense, 
So when I look, I use a quick benchmark, like gross income multiplier to just say, all right, if I'm going to look at my annual revenue and divide that, you know, by the purchase price of the property, that gives me a quick gut check, you know, how well am I potentially going to perform? And time and time again, the smaller properties, I have a theory, I don't know if I'm right, but I have a theory that they stay, um, they stay occupied all year long because people go away for a weekend, maybe for a beach getaway with a couple and they're, they're staying in those small properties. They're not staying in the large properties, you know, in the Myrtle beach market, virtually every place is booked over the summer. Um, so June, July, August are your, you know, your heavy, busy peak season, but you've got shoulder seasons in the spring and in the fall. And I really find strategically, if we can maximize those seasons, we are sitting in a, in a pretty place. Um, I guess literally and figuratively. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. That that's the balance, right? Because, you know, what we talk about a lot is bigger properties make bigger money, but when it comes to, you call it the, the shoulder seasons, which I, I've, I've never heard it said that way. I like it, but the, I call them the slow seasons, the cold seasons, and they end up being those seasons that really can pull back the drapes on the issues that you have at your property. And whether it's pictures, whether it's size, whether it's all these things, but I think you're absolutely right you're going to, during the slow seasons, see a lot more of the small properties, no matter where they're at, booked out pretty regularly versus the large properties. Um, you keep on mentioning, just kind of pivoting back, you keep on mentioning real estate investors. So I know that you own these properties, but how, how are you financing them? Are you just going straight on the MLS? Are you trying to find them off market? What does that look like? I actually do a combination of both. So I love buying ugly properties <laughs> and there's a lot to choose from, let me tell you. Um, so my strategy has been to buy properties off the MLS that nobody else wants and then I rehab them. So, you know, we've been very fortunate in having um, the ability to make money in equity that we're forcing in the property by rehabbing it and the cash flow from it being on Airbnb yeah. or our direct booking website. So I kind of look at that as a win-win. Um, but we've also purchased off-market properties and I help people source off-market properties um, and help kind of play Cupid and matchmaker finding the right resort for the right type of target audience too, right? Some people love to have big resorts that they've got water slides galore. And some people want to, you know, be in a, in a small little quaint place. So um, for us, I really think, again, you know, buying on the MLS and combining that with buying off market has served us well. Um, and we're just using traditional financing. Um, we utilize commercial loans um, with a local community bank in, um, in Myrtle Beach. I will share with you that I um, have sourced private money for some of my properties 
and also have some joint ventures in some of my properties as well. How many properties do you have right now? I have seven currently, soon to be nine in about a week. Wow, closing on two? So I actually, um, this was one, this is a unique situation, but this is one that I had sourced two off-market deals and um, helped connect an investor to them. And he uh, actually just asked me to partner with him and, and um, own equity in the property as well. So that's awesome. Okay. So I got to ask that question. And then we've got a great question from Natasha that I'm going to ask here in, in a second. Uh, when someone does that, when someone says, Hey, you know, I want to make you an equity partner. And, and I'm assuming you're bringing the management side and the knowledge Perfect. and all that. And then they're kind of a passive investor is, is how, how are you structuring that exactly? Yeah. So it is in a uh, manager managed LLC and I am the manager. Um, and so I have control of the day-to-day -day operations can sign on behalf of the, of the LLC. Um, and the way that it works is, you know, from a financial perspective, um, my partner is, you know, fully, uh, fully leveraged on his end. Um, but I'm bringing the skills, the expertise, the knowledge and the day-to-day -day operations. And so we've worked out obviously a split that is, um, amicable to both of us, but it's great because, you know, I can help deliver on his needs um, as an investor. He can enjoy the benefits of owning at the beach, but doesn't have to get tied up in the day-to-day, -day, which I think is a little bit scary for people, especially when they live far away. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. A am I okay to ask a few more questions on this deal or do you want to keep it kind of confidential oh. under the, uh, okay. I'm, I'm interested because <laughs> I'm doing a deal just like this right now. We're doing one with a cabin um, and, and a couple of our friends. And, and I'm just curious from a, a standpoint, I, I like to do just 50, 50, right down the middle. That's not complicated. Are, are you doing 50, 50? Is it a, a little bit different? How, how is that structured? Yeah. Each of my partnership deals are a little different depending on what uh, each party is bringing to the table. So some of my partnerships I have as 50-50, some of them I have as 51-49, some of them I have as 60-40. Um, and so it really depends again on each unique situation. I think one of the things that is easy to do is to think, okay, well, if somebody else is bringing the money and I'm bringing the day-to-day -day management, it should be 50-50, right? Mm -hmm. But what I think is more important is to understand the value of what you can bring if you have experience in this industry, yeah. because there is a learning curve, right? Um, there is a lot of work and effort that goes into the day-to-day -day management of the properties and, and operations. So don't shortchange yourself. I would err on the side of giving yourself more equity than you might um, you might think you deserve. So you're on, when you said 60, 40, you're 60 on that. Good for yeah. you. Good for you. That's called knowing your worth. I like it, Stacey. <laughs> I like it. Okay. A uh, couple questions here from Natasha. We bought our uh, STRs within a 45 minute range of our home so that we can self-manage. 
I've been hesitant about buying outside of our travel area. How do you ensure your property is being taken care of? And is the ROI with HOA and property management still worth it? So let's let's bite size that. So uh, first of all, traveling outside of your area, um, how would you ensure the property is being taken care of? What do you think about that? Yeah, a couple of different things come to mind. So a few minutes ago, I mentioned having to take trips to the beach. Well, that's what I do. I take a trip to the beach about once a month. Um, and it is something that I love getting my own eyes on my property mm-hmm. um, or properties, I should say. Um, but I also have a really fantastic team there locally. And I am meeting with that team virtually um, on a regular basis. They have to really align to my brand standards. You know, I feel like we've kind of carved out a little niche for ourselves in that market. And one of the things that's really important to me when I bring on team members locally is they have to understand what we're all about, but more importantly, what our ideal guests are looking for. And so if it's, you know, hey, we're going to, you know, fix something on the wall or repair something, they have to do that with pride and, and know that they, their work is part of a greater good, if you will, for our guests. So keeping an eye on our property, it's really our cleaning team. We've got a cleaning manager who comes in and checks the cleaners. I have folks go in and walk our properties regularly to even do another level of service. Um, again, to make sure they're okay. But then we also have a routine preventive maintenance schedule as well so that we get, um, we get our handy person in there yeah. uh, and fix and stuff. <laughs> good, good. How often is that going on? Monthly. Cool. Um, all right. So you say cleaning manager, and then you said even another level, um, which is in, in my business would be like a quality control manager. Yeah. Okay. Same yeah. for you. Okay. And then routine maintenance, which is awesome. Um, who else, is there anyone else on your team? Well, yes. So I have a, a very, very valued um, set of runners locally. So, you know, again, let's say a hairdryer breaks or the pots and pans go missing or, you know, something happens. I can't jump over there and deliver a hairdryer, nor am I going to send my guest out to Target to pick one up, right? So I have obviously um, runners there locally, but I also have a very trusted team of contractors, right? Because again, I rehab these properties um, and take kind of an ugly duckling and turn it into something special. Um, And so obviously I've got, you know, contractors, electricians, granite people, cabinet people, um, plumbers. Um, so I have a whole whole group of folks that I work with there as well. Good, good. Yeah, long story short to Natasha's question. Natasha, since you're already self-managing a couple, I mean, you already know the, uh, the ins and outs, just go find teammates 45 minutes plus away and do exactly what Stacy's doing, build those relationships and your ROI will be through the roof compared to hiring a management team. That's, that's my opinion. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I will say when I started, I hired a property manager there locally because I was new to the industry, period. 
right? I, I'd spent time learning, but I'd never done it myself. And so I felt like that was very, very helpful to me personally to give me time to get my sea legs underneath me before I started managing on my own. And that was really about a seven month process, you know, before I started self-managing. But if Natasha already has experience managing, I think, you know, to your point, Kyle, you, you could absolutely just dedicate some effort in building relationships in that location and you're, you're going to be golden. Cool. Love it. Uh, From Nicole, she says, is a camera a must have? What do you think? Yeah. Well, so I will share with you that in the locations where I am investing, they are in condo tells. So they are resort style properties um, that I have one of 600, 700, 800 rooms in a property. Okay. So within our resorts, they do not allow cameras mm. on the exterior of the property. Now, if I had my own single family home, I would absolutely have cameras on the exterior doors. Um, it is obviously a fantastic way to protect your property. Um, so you can make sure that, you know, the proper number of guests are visiting, but, um, it, you know, again, I don't have the ability to do that on my own right now, uh, but I would highly recommend it if, if you're in a different situation and can use exterior cameras. Cool. Uh, Melinda just asked, how do you find a good team if you're in a small beach community? So how'd you find your team? Well, I talk to my neighbors. Yeah. So what I would do, (laughs) it sounds silly, but you go and again, I'm in a resort area. So anybody that I can talk to, I will. Right. So you talk to people in a parking lot or at the pool or in the elevator And just strike up a conversation. Hey, are you having a good time visiting? Oh, we're not visiting. We own here. Oh, really? That's great. You know, so you can have those discussions. You have to be a little bit um, okay with just striking up a conversation with somebody. But that is how I found my cleaner. Um, And my cleaner is a critical, critical, you know, member of my team. I also went into local Facebook groups and ask for recommendations uh, or volunteers, you know, hey, I'm looking for runners for my local short-term rental business. Um, is anybody looking for some work on the side? You know, um, and I, I sourced team members that way. Um, right. When it comes to contractors and, um, and, you know, electricians, things like that, I obviously spoke with local communities, but I would I would really, really focus on finding a few people that you know own there and then start asking them for referrals and who they know. Absolutely. Networking to your team is going to give you the best quality team. Um, I would also say that, you know, turnover B&B can be good. Um, it, It can also be hit or miss. Uh, but I really like Facebook Marketplace as well. You know, you got you've got a lot of people looking for just you know some odd jobs every once in a while, and just you know a stay at home 
someone who is bored out of their mind and you know they might knock on neighbors doors too but they also might just be looking on facebook marketplace one day and seeing if there's any little odd jobs available so yeah um but yeah always 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 top is going to be getting referrals i like that great great um advice there david says is it hard to find a condo tell that will allow self-management and not use their own rental program any experience in that yeah. So every market's going to be a little different. As an example, I know in some markets in Florida, the condo tells require you to use their on-site program. In the Myrtle Beach market, you're typically going to have the ability to self-manage. But what a lot of the condo tells will do is they will remove amenities from you. So as an example, there are some resorts that have lots and lots of water slides. Well, they recently, there was one specific uh, one recently that said, hey, starting tomorrow, for all of you who are not on our on-site program, you nor your guests can use the 23 water slides. Ooh. Now, that's an issue. Yeah. <laughs> so we have taken a strategy that could be a little different where we are investing in resorts where the amenities are not the attraction, right? That doesn't have the 23 water slides or the 17 restaurants or, you know, things like that. That's not the draw. The draw is really the ocean and our condo that looks very different than most other things in that resort. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. Getting something that you can make your own rather than relying on the outside things out of your control. I like that. Cool. All right, Stacey, so we're kind of getting to the end here. What's one thing that we have not asked that you're just like, we got to talk about this for beach properties? <laughs> what about beach properties? Let's see. Or, or just in general, if, if there's anything okay. that we have not talked about that you feel like of value, and then I want to talk about your Facebook group. I want to talk about your event coming up here in a second too. But what's one thing that we haven't talked about uh, of, of value that you feel like is a big missing piece right now? just say if you are thinking about investing at the beach and a lot of people again have that pipe dream but they don't necessarily act on it because they think it's not possible I would just say take off your blinders take off the little guy off of your shoulder that says I can't afford that I'll never have time to do that it's too much work and think big because I would have never in a million years dreamed that I would have a real estate portfolio that's on the ocean and, you know, with some hard work um, and some, some really strong resources around me, I've been able to do that. So I would just say that, you know, the world is your oyster um, if you choose to let it be so. So think big. <laughs> So guys, as you can see, why I'm so excited about having Stacey uh, in this group and, and on our show is because she's just a, a joy and she puts a smile on just about everyone's face. And that's why she's got one of the larger Facebook groups in Airbnb as well. Uh, and has an incredible event coming up that I know a lot of people are going to go to. So floor is yours, Stacey. Let's um, talk about both of those if, uh, if yeah. you want to get some information. Yeah. So um, I have a Facebook group for women who are investing in short-term rentals, and it's called Female Short-Term Rental Investors. And I got to tell you, Kyle, besides your group, 
it's like the coolest group on the globe. <laughs> and, you know, it's nothing special about me. It's more special are the women inside of that group because it's all about networking and educating each other, lifting each other up, empowering one another and learning from each other's experiences. So right now um, we've got about 19,000 women from all around the world um, in that group. And it, it is something that brings me joy every day. Um, so it, I would just invite any woman who uh, is, is watching, um, who isn't a part of the Female Short-Term Rental Investors Facebook group, come on over. That's awesome. Uh, Nat by the way, yeah. Natasha just said, no way, that's you. I'm in that group. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's hilarious. So, um, and then we have a, a summit uh, for all the women in our group and all the women beyond who are interested in short-term rentals. So it is the short-term rental virtual summit for women. And it is happening January the 25th through the 28th. And we have 12 amazing speakers um, teaching about different ways that you can leverage um, this amazing industry and build a life that you love. And so, um, Kyle, it's something that is been a vision of mine. And again, never really knew how I was going to make it happen. But I am so pumped that this is actually coming to life. Awesome. And that is ST, you can find that information at strvirtualsummit.com. Is that right? That is correct. I and seen that in the, the early bird tickets, actually, the early bird tickets end tonight. So tonight, okay. And tonight. So after tonight, the prices go up. So ladies, if you want to grab a ticket and you like a sale like I do, <laughs> get online. <laughs> oh, believe me, my... My uh, fiance loves a sale, and so she she's gonna have to go take a look at that. I'm gonna I'm gonna share that with her. Love it, um, especially with us moving into a house right now. She loves the sale. Um, <laughs> hey, I, we had a few more questions, but um, we don't have time for all of them. I want to ask one more from Michaela. She says, "Can you comment more on the commercial financing? How does that work? Do you have a company that really does help you through it?" Yeah, so. I, uh, sure, I, I work with a local community bank in Myrtle Beach, and I would just encourage you wherever you're investing um, to feel free to reach out to local lenders. Sometimes those smaller community banks and credit unions have special programs for folks. But what I do is each of my properties is in its own business entity, okay? So it's in its own LLC. And a lot of people, have this misconception, like it's really hard to get business credit. How do you do that? And what's actually happening is I am getting pre-approved as Stacy. So I'm a personal guarantor on my loans, but I write the contract in the name of Stacy. Once I have the contract um, or the property under contract, I will work with my local attorney's office to create an LLC for that property. 
you could do that in advance if you know your naming convention or what you want an LLC for a property to be called. But the way that I have it structured is all of my LLCs have um, a naming convention. So I can very quickly know which LLC is for which property, which is why I do it that way. Okay. Um, and then we amend the contract to the name of that LLC. And um, what's great is that the loan is closed in the name of the LLC. I'm still the guarantor, okay? But it does not hit my debt to income ratio. Great. So I don't run into any ceilings when it comes to credit that one might have if they were closing in their own personal name. That's awesome. Yeah, that, that's a great way to be able to get the debt to income down, but also anything that is in an LLC is just going to be better protected, right? So I like it. All right, Stacy, this has been a joy. Hey, everyone, go check out, well, I can't say everyone, all, all you females out there, go check out the uh, Short-Term Rental Virtual Summit for Women. Uh, again, I put it in the link. And dates again on that, Stacy. January 25th through the 28th. But okay. the good news is, is they'll, everyone will have lifetime access to all of the videos. So even if you're busy that week, you can absolutely still get great value from it. Awesome. So as long as you're checking this out before those dates, strvirtualsummit.com, go sign up and be a part of this awesome summit. And I'm, I'm going to guess Rachel and Julie are a part of that. Am I right? Oh, you yeah. You are so right. You are so right. You, if you're talking <laughs> short-term rentals and it being a women's event and you don't have them there, then something's wrong. So <laughs> that's right. All right. Hey, Stacy, thank you so much. And thank you for helping everyone to conquer the world of Airbnbs, especially in these short-term rentals on the, on the beach with small units. I like it. You thank are you so, so welcome. And thank you. <laughs> Thank you.